Hi, my name's Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about commercial property. And in fact, this is the first part to a two-part series on commercial property investing. Uh, So uh, the next uh, part, part two, of course, will be uh, out next week. So I believe that most people would be well served by investing in various asset classes. So that includes property and shares and bonds and so forth. I don't believe any one asset class is superior. They all have their pros and cons. And typically you can balance those pros and cons out uh, with a diversified investment portfolio, which potentially for some people could include investing in commercial property. Because obviously commercial property does have some wonderfully attractive attributes, but it's important that you introduce it to your portfolio at the right times, the right sort of stage of life, if you like. And of course, like any asset class, you've got to get the right asset using the right methodology. And again, I keep banging on about uh, evidence-based investing. Well, the same is true when we come to invest in commercial property. As I said, this is a two-part podcast Uh, So this first part, I'm going to provide sort of an introduction to commercial property just to kind of bring us all up to speed. So we're all on the sort of same page. And then I'm part two next week. I'm going to take you through how do you invest in commercial property? So how do you actually put it into practice? Okay, so let's kick off then with part one, which is really an introduction to um, commercial property. Now, most people are familiar with residential property, you know, houses, apartments, and so forth. Uh, And uh, I've done many podcast episodes talking about investing in residential property and and how to do that, etc. And really, residential property is a growth asset. That means that you're going to achieve or generate most of your returns going to come in capital rather than income. Now, of course, we can rent out our properties, but the problem with that is that we still have a whole bunch of expenses to pay. So our net rental yields that we might get from a residential property, let's say a house, for example, might be around 1%, right? 1% per annum after you pay for all expenses and so forth, excluding interest. It's not a lot of money. Uh, And of course, if you're after income, uh, residential property is a lazy asset. So one of the attractions, or maybe perhaps the main attraction uh, that attracts investors towards even considering commercial property is that they tend to provide much higher levels of income. Uh, and that's for two reasons. Uh, firstly, because the yields are higher. And then secondly, genu- uh, generally, a commercial property tenant will pay for almost all of the outgoings. So of course, there's lots of different types of commercial properties. Um, but generally, we can uh, categorize them into kind of three subcategories or three categories, if you like. Uh, The first one's office. So uh, as it explains in the name, office buildings, they're usually multi-level buildings that have multiple tenants. Um, They are typically situated in sort of central, well-established locations. So CBD or suburban hubs, um, which kind of adds to their scarcity in terms of locality uh, and tends to drive uh, a bit of the capital growth. Uh, Then you've got retail, uh, like a retail shop uh, on a sort of suburban shopping strip uh, or a mixed-use premises or a specialised property like a service station or restaurants. Uh, I would throw them all into the kind of retail category. 
Um, because these assets are typically located in high demand locations, they tend to generate lower rental yields because they, they tend to generate or hopefully generate better capital growth. Uh, that's not always the case, particularly in retail over the last 10 years. And then industrial. Industrial is like a sheds or bulky goods center, like a Bunnings, for example, those sort of assets. These assets tend to be located in kind of outer fringe locations. Quite often they'll have one tenant, uh, often uh, under a very long lease. Um, And as a result, they tend to offer substantially higher rental yields uh, because really their capital growth tends to be tied to the rental income. So if the rental income increases, uh, so does the value, but those rental income increases tend to be mandated in the lease and they tend to be along the lines of CPI. So there's not a lot of capital growth in those assets as a general rule, uh, and really most of your return is coming in income yield. So they're the three uh, main categories, office, retail, and industrial property. Uh, So let's talk about sort of some of the investment attributes that uh, commercial property has. And I thought the best way to do that was to make a direct comparison to residential property, uh, given that uh, most of us, most of the listeners will have some familiarity with uh, uh, residential property, and so if I can just draw the distinction between uh, residential and commercial, uh, maybe that helps with your understanding. Uh, so the first one is rental yield. Uh, as I said, uh, uh, commercial properties tend to generate a higher rental income, amount of rental income after all expenses. Uh, and there's two primary reasons uh, for that. Uh, firstly, uh, as I mentioned previously, a commercial tenant uh, pays for most of a, a commercial property's expenses including council rates, insurance, maintenance, and so forth. The only possible exception uh, is land tax. In some situations, uh, say in Victoria, if the um, building is covered by the Retail Leases Act, um, which which there's a few provisos there, uh, it's possible that landlord can't on-charge uh, land tax, um, but then it could be reflected in a higher uh, rental income amount. Um, But suffice to say, generally, a commercial tenant pays for most of the property expenses, uh, even including uh, property management, which means that you, the investor, keep the almost entirely all the rental income. uh, So that that helps. Uh, And then secondly, uh, rental yields tend to be higher. So um, rental yields in office, for example, tend to range between four and six percent. Uh, industrial uh, property yields can be much higher, you know, 4 to 9% perhaps. Uh, both those compare very favourably to uh, residential houses, uh, which are yielding gross, uh, maybe around 2%. And as I said, uh, after you pay for all expenses, you're lucky to kind of walk away with 1%. So really commercial property uh, rental yields are, are substantially higher than uh, residential as a general comment. Uh Value drivers are a lot different in the commercial market as well. So we know that land values, uh, particularly with investment grade property, is the key component that drives future value and future value appreciation. Uh, Buying a location that's scarce, you know, that has excessive or benefits from excessive demand. Uh, And we know, you know, um, land supply is finite. Uh, that, you know, can't manufacture any more land in, you know, a blue chip suburb. And that's really what drives residential property values. Well, commercial properties are a lot different and typically, not always, but typically it's the income stream that drives the value. So uh, that's what investors are looking for. 
Uh, they're looking for a stable, reliable, low-risk, predictable income stream, uh, and they will apply what's called a capitalization rate uh, to that income stream to determine the value of the property. So, for example, if a commercial property generates $100,000 of annual rental income uh, and an investor desires a return of, say, 5%, uh, which is what we would term as their capitalization rate, uh, then what you do is divide 100000 by 5%, uh, and that means that the, that building, that property, is worth $2 million to that investor. Uh, now, if the investor only needs uh, 4% or 3%, then they're willing to pay more than $2 million. And conversely, if they want a much higher rate of return, uh, say 10%, then they're only going to pay a $1 million for that property. It's really which investor reduces their desired return the first is the one that's able to buy the property because they're paying uh, arguably too much for it. Um, so investors will consider a whole bunch of different things to determine what their capitalization rate is. So how much they're, you know, what sort of return they're looking for uh, from this property. Uh, and that includes the financial strength of the uh, tenants. You know, if you've got some government tenants, for example, well, that reduces your risk and perhaps you're happy to accept a lower return. Uh, whereas if you've got some startups in the business, well, that's much higher risk and you want a higher return. The, the, the strength and length of existing leases over the premises also have a big component. Again, if you've got a government uh, body under a 20-year lease, for example, that's really tight, doesn't let them out, uh, again, that's a, a much lower risk than, say, a, a one-year rolling lease, if you like. Uh, longer leases typically uh, are more attractive to investors. Uh, if the building uh, has multiple tenants, so if it's, a, if it's an office building, Quite often, uh, they will use whale, which is a weighted average lease expiry, uh, as a measure of the building's income stream. Uh, so what that means is that what they look at is what's the weighted average of, you know, how long the leases are. And higher whale uh, means lower risk and the shorter whale, you know, if it's only one year, then on average, most of the tenants are only covered by a one-year lease. Uh, that's less attractive. So whale is a term... Uh, that you see that an acronym that's uh, used when uh, valuing or considering uh, commercial property. Uh, the cost of capital also influences capitalization rates. So you know if if I need to go, if I've got to pay ten percent for borrowings, for example, well then I'm going to want a, a much higher uh, yield for my commercial property. So as as you know, interest rates are really low at the moment, uh, and so uh, capitalization rates can become compressed, uh, and that means people tend to. Uh, overpay for the wrong assets, and that's certainly been happening in the commercial space. Um, sometimes investors will be prepared to to buy a commercial building on a very low capitalization rate if they expect uh, the property to appreciate in value, and this can either mean just because of capital growth, because of you know the the, the they think that location's under high demand, or maybe there's an alternate use to the property. So. You convert a old office building into a residential tower, for example. Uh, well, an investor might be prepared to overpay to be able to, you know, get that alternate use. Um, it was very common, for example, almost about 20 years ago, when um, retail shops in Chapel Street in South Yarra in Melbourne were selling on yields of one or two percent. You know, everyone want this trophy asset, a, a shop on Chapel Street. Um, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out very well for investors at all, uh, and they've probably lost a lot of value. 
Um, the next biggest distinction is with respect to lending or borrowing, I should say, with respect to buying a commercial property. So most banks will lend up to 90, 95% of a residential property's value um, and uh, obviously 80% um, uh, without mortgage insurance. And if you borrow over 80%, you know, you've got to pay mortgage insurance. But essentially that means an investor only needs to contribute uh, 5 to 10% as a minimum deposit. Uh, however, with commercial properties, maximum loan-to-value ratios are around 65 to 70%. Depends on the type of asset um, and location and those sorts of, and value and those sorts of things, but 65 to 70%. No such thing as mortgage insurance with commercial property loans. Uh, sometimes you can find lenders that will lend up to 80% of a commercial property, but they tend to attract uh, higher rates of interest. It uh, tends not to be that economical. So... Uh, if you want to go and buy a commercial property, you've got to have a substantial deposit or, or substantial equity in other property in order to do that. Uh, it used to be that commercial rates, uh, so commercial loan rates, were much higher than residential, although that's sort of normalised. And at the moment, they're relatively similar. Uh, so that's kind of a good thing. Commercial uh, finance used to be a lot more expensive than it is today. Another distinction is GST. Uh, residential property almost always does not attract uh, GST, uh, so you don't need to register for GST and so forth. Um, uh, however, uh, GST, uh, commercial rent, attracts GST. So if you're going to go and buy a commercial property, uh, you're going to need to think about your GST obligations uh, and you're going to need to probably uh, register for GST and lodge quarterly or annual BAS uh, statements. Uh, also, sometimes, again, depending on the situation, uh, when you go and buy a commercial property, you might have to pay GST on the purchase price as well. Now, not that big a deal because you can register for GST and claim the, the credit back, um, but something you need to think about in terms of being able to facilitate settlement uh, because you'll need to pay that up front and then claim it back when you lodge your BAS. Uh, again, it's, it's important that you uh, seek uh, advice from your accountant in regards to that. Now, as I mentioned, uh, people like to invest in commercial property for the income. You know, the higher income stream is the kind of attractive component. And I guess typically while interest rates are low, you know, commercial properties will be self-funding or a lot of them will be self-funding uh, in that all the income pays for all the expenses, the interest expense and so forth. Um, it is possible, though, to also get or enjoy some substantial capital growth from investing in commercial property. Um, and that typically happens in sort of two circumstances. Uh, firstly, when the property is located in a, in a highly desirable location or there's uh, an availability for an alternate use. So, for example, property located in an industrialised location that's becoming gentrified um, and you might start to see warehouse conversions and residential developments and those sorts of things. Uh, where the where uh, location changes like that, quite often uh, you'll see the value of commercial properties in those regions uh, appreciate. Um, and secondly, where the um, investor can improve the the rental income stream, or in fact make the rental income stream less risky. So, uh, with respect to uh, office, for example, um, if you can go and buy a building on a very short whale uh, because there's some vacancy maybe, or because tenants have been poorly managed. Uh, get in there, make some improvements to the building, uh, build strong relationships with the tenants uh, and get them all to sign on to longer leases and you increase the whale, uh, what that can have a substantial 
value impact uh, improvement on the overall property's uh, value. So you can get some capital growth there by buying, let's say, an unloved asset uh, and and managing it a bit better. Um, Commercial property investors, however, probably shouldn't typically expect to enjoy high levels of capital growth and high levels of, of income as well. At least not perpetually. That might happen through periods of time, but just typically you're either going to get one or the other, um, and it could be cyclical. You know, you could buy an unloved building, um, uh, improve the management, so you get an uplift in capital value, uh, and as a result, you've then improved the yield, but maybe that capital value doesn't change that much. So typically, you can you might be able to manipulate one or the other, uh, but you're typically not going to get both. So the million dollar question then is, should you invest in commercial property and and how do we use it in constructing financial plans and portfolios for clients? Well, typically, um, it would not be appropriate to invest in commercial property until you have a sound investment asset base in less risky assets. So typically, I would want to help a client um, really sort of focus on optimizing super Uh, maybe buy one or two uh, residential investment properties, uh, potentially even do some share market investing, uh, really accumulate a a nice diversified asset base of lower risk diversified assets. Uh, And then at some point, uh, once they've got uh, some some financial strength behind them, uh, that's when I'd start to um, uh, consider commercial property. And there's three reasons for that. Uh, Firstly, um, commercial property requires you to have a more substantial deposit. Uh, So you need to either have a reasonable amount of equity in residential property or a large cash deposit. Secondly, commercial property is higher risk compared to residential. Uh, And the reason for that is that commercial property values can be impacted by the vagaries of the prevailing economic climate. Uh, whereas, uh, so that means you could have periods of, you know, long, long periods of vacancy, no income, volatility and value, all those sorts of things. Whereas with, with residential property, it's a necessity. We all need somewhere to live. So it tends to be less volatile uh, and it's a better asset class to invest in. I think it's probably to some degree reflected in the loan to value ratios. You know, a bank's willing to lend 95 against a residential property, but only uh, 65, 70% against commercial. That's really to some part reflective of you know, the, the underlying volatility in those markets. Uh, and lastly, uh, there's some really good commercial property investment options, uh, which I'm going to go through next week in part two of this podcast, uh, but they tend to be only available to wholesale investors. Uh, so you already need to have a decent asset base to in order to be uh, qualified as a wholesale investor. So there are three reasons that I typically add commercial property um, later during an investment cycle uh, rather than first up. Okay, so that's it. That gives you hopefully a, uh, a broad idea or overview of the commercial property market and its attributes and how it differs from residential property. Uh, next week, I'm going to go through how we invest or your investment options uh, and then how we help clients invest in commercial property. Okay, and so until next week, bye for now.